Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. America has a few problems right now. Couldn't you agree, right? Just a few little things like no border, everybody coming in, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. You're looking live essentially right now at the Rio Grande River. People are coming through. Single men are being sent back, but families are arriving and being welcomed and then being stashed under that bridge. It is a total catastrophe. What else? The Afghanistan fiasco that the fake news desperately wants you to forget. They're helping Joe Biden every single way. You know, not only did we withdraw in the most ridiculous way possible, but we killed a whole bunch of civilians on our way out. And don't forget this. Maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Joe Biden just screwed up our relationship with one of our oldest allies, France. How can you do that? He managed to do it. So with all this stuff going on, <laughs> what does Joe do? Relax. Mr. President, what will you tell Emmanuel Macron? Mr. President, when are you going to call Macron? <laughs> uh, went to Delaware. Rehoboth Beach has a big house there. And just took it easy. You know, it'd be one thing if he were working really hard during the week, but he's not. You know it. We know it. We see it. It's obvious. Uh, this is not being hard at work. May God protect our troops. Thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President, what kind of impact does it have when celebrities like Nicki Minaj? Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President, did you tell President Xi when you spoke to him last week? Get vaccinated. Mr. President, be ready. Is this constitutional, Mr. President? And it goes on like this. <laughs> he won't take questions, in part because, quite frankly, he can't take questions when he is off script, bad things start happening. I mean, there are now dozens of examples of him walking away. You know what is inconceivable? Donald Trump behaving this way, even his detractors, right? Every day into the arena, he wasn't hiding. He was taking it head on, and that's what a president should do. Joe Biden, again, <laughs> hopped in a plane and went away for the entire weekend. He is an advantage, though. The fake news covers upper him big time. Apparently Biden's going to be traveling less. What is that about? You know, they, they got some things knocked out with the, the California trip, the, the wildfires focusing on climate change. He is going to, at least at this point, still planning to go to the G20 and the Glasgow Climate Conference. But in general, I think he's planning to focus on stuff from home. Um, home being Washington, D.C. and also Delaware. I was like, Delaware, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
inside the swamp. Inside jokes, uh, Joe Biden uh, staying in the White House, uh, going to Delaware, doing nothing else. The weirdest presidency we've ever seen. And uh, it's a funny joke to them. They glossed over entirely, by the way, one of the worst things the military ever did, the killing of a bunch of civilians in Kabul, Afghanistan. Was this as a result of political pressure? General McKenzie tried to tell us about this on, on Friday. Uh, the old have a press conference on Friday. No one's going to notice. I thought we were beyond that with our phones. Everybody notices. But at least with the fake news, it worked. It worked because yesterday, the World Series for the fake news, all those Sunday shows, um, they didn't go there. We killed a bunch of children in Afghanistan, the Biden administration, and the fake news played right along. This Sunday, the battle over boosters. We made the decision not to follow this week's lead, which is to just give a third dose, period. An FDA panel says no to COVID booster shots. Did you hear what he said? The battle over boosters. That's alliteration. They love that. Last week, it was the COVID crisis. A necessary general population. But yes, for those 65 and up or at risk. The you feel like you've seen this episode before? Notice the music is designed to make you worried. Shot. Nothing about our horrible, horrible blunder in Afghanistan killing all those innocent people. All right, we can stop that for a moment. Meanwhile, in January of 2020, uh, President Trump took out Soleimani. He was an Iranian general, uh, led all of their terror programs. He was a bad guy. It was universally understood that he was a bad guy. Trump took him out as he walked across the airport in Baghdad, Iraq. This was a righteous killing. Uh, bad guy. We got the right guy. Look at how the fake news panicked. This Sunday, growing tensions. The U.S. kills a top Iranian military commander, sparking fears of an all-out war. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. The administration insists Qasem Soleimani was in the late stages of planning attacks on Americans. Last night was the time. See what's going on here? <laughs> Trump takes out a bad guy this is a year and a half ago and all hell breaks loose. Biden takes out uh, a bunch of children and they ignore it. Uh, you know, war is hell. It happens. Collateral damage. No. That was an election year and they were doing anything they could to stop Trump, to stop Trump. But Joe Biden can't even, well, he can't get our enemies. He doesn't even know how to treat our allies. Take a look. U.S. to share nuclear submarine technology with Australia in new pact. Well, guess what? Um, I don't follow these things too closely. Australia is a friend of ours. But this has set the world against the United States, especially France. They have recalled our, their ambassador to our country. This is a big diplomatic screw-up. And remember, the fake news, they always told you that it was Joe Biden who was good at this stuff and Donald Trump who was terrible. It isn't just that he betrayed our allies. It isn't just that he damaged the credibility of the United States on the world stage. It's that he doesn't have a plan. What we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed our friends. 
Donald Trump is going out of his way, insulting our most important geographic allies. This guy does not articulate any support for democracy or human rights. He, you know, this guy puts down other countries, particularly our allies. He cozies up to dictators. Trump has spent the last few days doing as much damage as possible to our relationships with allies and our image across the world. All right, you see, everybody was in on the joke. Now, they, uh, they were mistelling the joke. They were actually, um, they were actually lying because it's Joe Biden who has shown himself inept at handling relationships with our allies. Now, we are apparently sharing nuclear technology with Australia related to submarines. Right now, by the way, I'm not sure that's a great idea. Have you seen the way Australia has been handling uh, COVID? I mean, talk about a police state. This is really, really bad stuff there. Anyway, it has set off France. France has recalled their ambassador to the United States. And take a look at what the French are saying. Canif dans la relation transatlantique. Joe Biden accusé d'ailleurs par la. Et moi, eh bien, il faut se rendre à l'évidence. Joe Biden n'est pas beaucoup plus francophile que Donald Trump. Madame, comment allez-vous? Uh... Anyway, they're very upset. Joe Biden. And uh, again, here, take a look at this. Uh, Sous-marine Australian, uh, la gifle de Joe Biden. The Australian submarines are a slap in the face by Joe Biden to Europe, especially la France. Remember, Joe Biden was supposed to be good at this stuff. I have to tell you, what I'm hearing is very different from what you described. Uh, I'm hearing deep satisfaction that the United States is back, that we're re-engaged with our allies and partners. Our allies and partners are not buying it. Joe, you can use this corny expression all you want. It's not working. And so, uh, so is the message I want the world to hear today. America is back. America is back. Diplomacy is back at the center of our foreign policy. All right. Well, uh, the French ambassador is gone. And uh, that's kind of a big deal. I don't particularly care. But if you're so good at it, Joe, you should have fixed this issue. Right. Right. Um, hey, I got to say this about the fake news. They are covering the border issue somewhat. They're covering it in a special way, their own way. They're not well, they're acting like this is some mysterious weather that came through and, and dropped off all these people. They don't tie it back to who is responsible and what is responsible, Joe Biden and his administration. It was a promise that he made when he was campaigning for president that this he would allow. And by the way, I would immediately, as president, surge to the border. I would end this notion for the first time in history that people seeking asylum have to be in squalor on the other side of the river and, and, and in a desperate situation. They should be able to come to the United States and have a judgment made as whether or not they qualify. I would also surge to the border. Immigration judges to make, make decisions immediately. And no one, no one would be put in jail while waiting for their hearing. All right, so don't wait in squalor in that country. Wait in squalor in our country. Does that make sense? And does it make sense that with this crisis at the border and all these other things that are going on, Joe Biden went bike riding this weekend and Kamala Harris went to some football game and tried to flip a coin. Wherever the trouble is, she is not. And the same goes for Joe. 
Stay with us. We're going to talk about what happened in Washington this past Saturday, the rally in support of those arrested on January 6th. What was up with those cops and their equipment? I can't tell if they're in Tifa or what they are. How about putting the word police on the front of these uniforms? Very strange. We'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? You know, until he came along, I didn't. I didn't notice just how bad the fake news was. I knew they were bad, but he clarified a lot of things. You can't look at them the same way. Uh, from what they get wrong, to the stories they don't tell, to what they avoid, to what they hype, it's fascinating. I'd like to show you something from this weekend in Chicago. 56 shootings and nine deaths. A lot of these involving children, teenagers. Now here's something else, going back to 2020, 5,100 kids were shot across America, 1,300 killed. Gun violence affecting children erupts during COVID. But you know what really didn't erupt during COVID for kids? COVID. Uh, 516 deaths. A lot of these folks, these kids, had pre-existing conditions. You know, 100 kids died from the chicken pox the year before COVID. These numbers, quite frankly, we don't want anybody, a child, to die any child who dies is too much, but these numbers are low. But the way they're treating kids, you'd think that this was a much higher number. So remember a few weeks ago, Nancy Pelosi having a big banquet with all of her friends and uh, no one was masked. The staff, they were all masked, but her friends, a lot of them rich, they weren't masked and neither was Nancy. How about last night at the Emmys, which were terrible, by the way, I hear. The Emmy Awards... Nobody wearing a mask. So on whom do we place all of society's problems? Hmm? On the children. On the children. No exaggeration. Look at this. <laughs> put yeah. your mask on. No, you gotta put you gotta wear it on the honey. No, you gotta keep it on. Put your mask on. <laughs> This goes on for minutes. The kid is in nursery school. He doesn't want to wear a mask. <laughs> His name is Mason. Good for you, Mason. This is ridiculous. This is totally, totally ridiculous. Some say it's borderline child abuse. I don't know if I'd go that far, but in, I'm not accusing the teacher. But in its totality, children should not be living like this. Children should not be living like this. Yet, what right now is the big threat to America, according to the fake news? There is tons of disinformation right now that if you were to ask me what is one of the things that are that's under the radar that folks aren't paying attention to, but that is a national security crisis, it is the disinformation that we're embattling, whether it's the crisis at the border, whether it's people getting vaccine hesitancy, whether it's getting information that just does not allow them to understand what that government is actually doing for them. 
Ah, the government, when have they ever let us down before? All this disinformation. Uh, that's a theme with the fake news and the left. And it's a way, by the way, for them to accumulate power and to reduce their conservative critics. Right now, I would argue that the, the fact that so many Americans can't buy into simple facts is probably the biggest existential threat we face to our democracy. So when somebody speaks up for that, isn't it something to be praised? Existential threat to our democracy. He's supposed to be a straight news guy. Facts. You know, it depends which facts you choose, what emphasis you give them, the context, the perspective. These guys are being very, very selective with their facts. They're self-serving. They employ them in the most self-serving way. Speaking of which, CNN. That brings me to CNN. These guys, who talk about fake news. Um, they almost admitted yesterday that they really went to any length to stop Donald Trump. It is not safe. We, our danger keeps growing by the day. And I, honestly, I don't know how we deal with Trump. In five years, we have not found a way to counter his mendacity and serial lies. We hired the CNN, Washington Post, hired fact checkers. We did everything we could to do it. And we, we, we should admit, we still haven't figured it out. Let's keep trying as hard as we can. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, one way to do it is to get more votes. Uh, I'll leave it at that. So the hero to these guys is Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward has been around for a long time. This is uh, his latest book. Bob Woodward is wrongly credited with bringing down Richard Nixon. It's a fake news oversimplification borderline lie. He didn't have anything to do with that. Now, as we established last week, Bob Woodward is a notorious liar. He makes up stuff. He makes up conversations. He withholds context. He does all kinds of things. He's pretty good at selling a book, though. All kinds of trickery he employs. But back to CNN. They were praising this book in awe of Bob Woodward and all of its attacks on President Trump. But then this happened. A guy who was written about in the book, who hates Trump, loves CNN, uh, had to say that Woodward got it wrong. Let me quote from the passage in the book that describes your trip. It says, ugly talk about conspiracies to steal the election filled the plane. So did chatter about QAnon. And several passengers also mentioned 6MWE. Smith did not know what they were talking about. He was horrified to learn, listening as some passengers explained and discussed openly, that it meant six million weren't enough. A reference to the six million Jews exterminated in Nazi concentration camps. Yeah, Brian. Is that accurate? No. And that's that's one of the unfortunate aspects of this. When I spoke to Mr. Woodward, we spoke about what I heard on the plane. We also spoke about what I saw and heard on January 6th at the Capitol and in huh. the couple of days leading up to it. Um, there, the people on the plane didn't say anything racist or anti-Semitic. The, huh. the, the reference you make was to something I saw at the January 6th rally. And in that conversation, I think Mr. Woodward conflated the two. Mr. Woodward conflated the two. He made up something. This guy's a congressman. He was on his way back to Seattle, and he made up a conversation that did not take place. Smith said he saw something, maybe one of those offensive T-shirts that I don't think we've gotten to the bottom of. This is fake news. And this guy, Woodward, again, is the captain of the team down there. They all want to be like him. Why? He's rich and he's famous.
And uh, he doesn't have to show up at the office, okay? He basically calls the shots. Sweet deal. They all want to be like him. One little fake news tidbit. Earlier in the show, we talked about how Trump took out Soleimani in January of last year. The fake news acted like he committed a war crime. He didn't. Anyway, the Sunday following that attack, Mike Pompeo went on all the shows, every single one, and uh, made the case for what they did and how they did it. It's interesting. All the shows. I mean, all of them. Listen to how Chris Wallace characterized Mike Pompeo's appearance on his show. Now, as more U.S. forces head to the region, what happens next in the Middle East? We'll ask Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, live, only on Fox News Sunday. Only on Fox News Sunday. Only on Fox. I just saw him on every single show. You did, too. We put it on. He was on every single show. I mean, I, taped live? I, none of these were live? I don't think so. But anyway, what? They're always cutting corners. They are the worst. They are the worst. Folks, stay with us. We've got uh, some interesting things about what happened on Saturday, what didn't happen on Saturday, and what they're not telling you about January 6th. go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Who's in Do you want your house back? Take it! This past Saturday, September 18th, there was a rally in Washington, D.C., in support of those who many of us believe are being unfairly persecuted for the allegations against them relating to January 6th. Now, this was in support of those that are believed to be persecuted. This wasn't pro-insurrection. That's how the fake news characterized it, though. And first up tonight to the effort to secure the Capitol, ahead of a pro-insurrectionist rally at the U.S. Capitol. So this is a rally in support of the people mm -hmm. who led the insurrection on January 6th. Many of them have been arrested and tried. Mm -hmm. Saturday's planned rally in support of the January 6th insurrectionists comes at just the wrong time for the Republican Party. All right. I am so sick of them being called insurrectionists. It was not an insurrection. <sighs> The security failures, some of them seemingly deliberate. No one's been charged with insurrection. Something is totally not right. And the fake news just being lazy and hateful in all of those uh, little snippets. I want to raise this, though. The Capitol Hill police were out in force. I mean, a lot of force. Take a look at these uh, uniforms, their equipment. Take it, uh, I don't know. Look, I want cops to be well protected, of course. We all do. Um, but I've never seen this kind of gear. And I'm also not seeing the word police on their uniform, on their equipment. This is how it looks like in other jurisdictions. Police, clearly marked on the front. On Saturday, no such, um, no such indication. Why is that? The public needs to know who are these guys. I mean, they look like souped-up Antifa. And by the way, it's not just a problem on Saturday. It was a problem back in January. Yes, the 6th. Why are you letting this happen? Why haven't you called for backup? Where is your backup? This is our damn Capitol building, and y'all are letting it get destroyed on your watch. Again, 
no markings, no indication that this guy's a cop. Um, you can buy all of that stuff commercially and use it. You can. It's against the law, though, to say you're a member of the police force when you're not. So it's something they've got to look at. They've got to, they've got to look at a lot. That's one of them. Um, actually, they should look at the... Uh, they should look at the political leanings of Officer Harry Dunn. I use an analogy to describe what I want as a hitman. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. Oh. Is that how they talk in the police academy? I don't think so. Anyway, this guy, look, he supports Black Lives Matter. Now, Black Lives Matter is an anti-American extremist group, and his Facebook posting, social media profile, littered with Black Lives Matter uh, support. I think that's a problem. I think it's a problem if you support a far-left organization or a far-right organization. And um, I've got something else to say about both of these cops may have been on duty, by the way, on Saturday. Uh, Lieutenant Byrd, Michael Byrd, who shot Ashley Babbitt, um, who's proud of it for some bizarre, ugly reason. I was taking a tactical stance. You're ultimately hoping that your commands will be complied with, and unfortunately, they were not. When you fired, what could you see? Where were you aiming? You're taught to aim for center mass. Uh, the subject was sideways, and I could not see her full motion of her hands or anything. Um, so I guess her movement, you know, caused the uh, discharge to, to fall where it did. And what did you think this individual was doing at that, at that moment? She was posing a threat. She was posing a threat. Well, uh, how is an unarmed woman posing a threat? Saw her hands, saw no weapon, and he shot her. They're calling him a hero. This is totally, totally crazy. Makes absolutely no sense. Now, the Babbitt family, they are preparing a lawsuit against the Capitol Hill police. I wish them much success. And something I learned about how Ashley Babbitt was treated posthumously. Do you know that she was a veteran of the Air Force, um, an Iraq war veteran? She went multiple tours to Iraq served honorably, served bravely, yet they denied her a military funeral. Now, if you're dishonorably discharged from the military as she was, it's what you get. It's what you get. You can be convicted of a crime and still get that military funeral. It's not that elaborate. It's a flag over the coffin and a couple of soldiers or Marines show up and perform certain rituals. It's a nice touch. And they robbed it from her and her family. And that is a disgrace. That's another thing that's on my list about this ridiculous woke Pentagon. Greatest military in the world is now led by a bunch of fools. And now this. It's matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Of course, black lives matter. All lives matter. Black lives matter. But not in the way the Black Lives Matter movement says they only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. When a black individual takes the life of another black individual, they don't care. Well, we do. 
and we care that a three-year-old was shot and killed recently. We're also pleased to report that three suspects have now been arrested in connection with the death of three-year-old Isaiah Figueroa. Now, he was asleep in his bed in his family's home in Charlotte, North Carolina, two weeks ago when a group of people fired about 150 rounds at the house. We first told you about this tragic story just after it happened. At least one bullet hit Isaiah in the head. He did not survive. 21-year-old Caleb Lawrence, you'll see him here in a moment. The guy on the left turned himself in this weekend. He's now charged with murder, eight counts of attempted murder, nine counts of shooting into an occupied dwelling. Uh, in the middle, Quatonio Stevens, he was arrested a few days ago. On the right, Jacob Lanier was also arrested last week. After the shooting, the local sheriff spoke out, acknowledging the community needs to stand up and fight the problem of violence from within the community. I'm asking each and every citizen of Mecklenburg County to get involved, to help us curb this community violence. It will not stop by using the tactics that we have used in the past. We're tired of marching, we're tired of asking. I believe that this is the time for action. We need to get into our streets and help curb this violence in our community. We need to have these conversations in our homes. We need to have these conversations in our churches. We need to have these conversations on the street corners and the blocks. This cannot continue. We are losing our children by gun violence and community violence each and every day. Sheriff McFadden, thank you. So why haven't you heard about this three-year-old, Isaiah Figueroa? A three-year-old, young child, a person of color, African-American? Well, because his alleged murderers were also people of color. That's the only reason why no one cares about this case. Or so many don't care about it. Mainstream media, Black Lives Matter again. They can't exploit this one, so they look the other way. Three-year-old Isaiah Figueroa, we will not forget. And also, thank you to Sheriff McFadden. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Can you believe this? Can you believe this is America? 10,000 plus people under a bridge, total squalor. Uh, most of these in this particular image, uh, these, the, this video, are from Haiti. Uh, we also want to show you this video from just, uh, just a few minutes ago, really. Um, all these folks now crossing the Rio Grande into Del Rio, a lot of them being turned back. This video also uh, caught some attention today. Um, Border Patrol agents on horseback. Um, interesting. I, I think you got to use whatever tool available. Now, some fake news was um, circulating that the guy uh, twirling the, um, look, I'm not a horseback rider, whatever that thing is, the bridle, that they were whipping people with that, the reins, that's not true. Um, listen, I want to bring in Brandon Judd. He is the president of the National Border Patrol Council. He is an active Border Patrol agent, officer, been on duty since 1997. Sir, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Greg, it's good to be with you. I'm doing well. Thank you. Many thanks. Uh, the border situation seems like it's in complete shambles. It looks like the Biden administration is totally at fault. Why are they doing this? Any theories and what can be done now? Are they holding you guys back? What's the deal? 
Well, there, there's obviously theories out there. I don't have the evidence of this, but I, I would speculate that uh, because DHS has been packed with very open border um, liberals uh, that are political appointees, um, we can expect that they're going to have open border policies. And, and that's what we're seeing today. And that's the problem that we're dealing with. This is not an enforcement group that is at DHS right now. And if you don't have an enforcement group, you're going to have scenes like what we're seeing today. Um, DHS knew this was coming. They were warned back on June 17th that this was going to become an issue. They were warned that they needed to build a uh, temporary outdoor processing uh, site similar to what we have in McAllen, Texas. And had they have done that, we wouldn't be dealing with this situation right now. And, and when you look at it, it's not just the Border Patrol that's dealing with this. Um, Texas DPS outnumbers Border Patrol agents three to one right now. And thank goodness for them, because if they weren't there, we would have complete and total chaos. So when you deal with the administration and you have to, uh, are they lying? Are they spinning you? I mean, as you say, there are all these open border people throughout government, but I would imagine that they're reluctant to share that with you. So it's got to be a bit of a weird dance when you're when you're talking to these folks about how forces are going to be deployed along the border. Well, truth be told, I, I don't deal with uh, with this current administration. I don't want to deal with this this administration. They're not going to listen to anything that we say. Again, we told them they needed to prepare for this and they didn't do it. And, and what's really disappointing to Border Patrol agents is it doesn't just put stress and pressure on us. These people that are under the bridge, it was 104 degrees today outside. These people under the bridge, they're suffering. And the Biden administration, they claim to care about people, yet it's their policies that are inviting people to put themselves in these situations. Um, there are there are a number of ambulances that have been called today, yesterday. I've been there. I was there all day yesterday. I was there for the majority of, of today. And so when you see this, you have to ask yourself, does the Biden administration really care about people? And that's a rhetorical question. Uh, you know the answer to that. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just not an enforcement mechanism. They have no desire to enforce the laws properly. And that's what's caused the current uh, situation that we have on the border today. Cheap labor, perhaps, and uh, votes, or at least uh, lots of bodies, and they can say they are voting in a certain way. This is from uh, Secretary Mayorkas from the Department of Homeland Security uh, not long ago. We have reiterated that our borders are not open and people should not make the dangerous journey. Your journey will not succeed and you will be endangering your life and your family's lives. Uh, I have not heard them reiterate that very strongly at all. I heard Kamala Harris go to Guatemala a while back and say, don't come twice. Other than that, the messaging hasn't been very strong. Or am I missing something? No, you're not missing anything at all. You, you're absolutely right. In fact, when you look at what's what's currently driven this uh, crisis on the border today, 200,000, over 200,000 apprehensions last month, the month before over 200,000 apprehensions. These are the most apprehensions I have ever seen in my career. And the reason is, is because this administration brought back what is known as the catch and release magnet um, that draws so many people to cross our borders illegally. When Secretary Mayorkas says that the borders aren't open, eh, he's completely and totally misleading the American public. I just wanna have an honest conversation with your viewers. I want your viewers to be able to form um, formulate their opinions based upon all of the facts, and Secretary Mayorkas isn't giving them that. What he needs to say is that the vast majority of the people that we apprehend crossing the border illegally, we ultimately end up releasing them into the United States. And that is that catch and release magnet has drawn so many people here, and that's why our borders are out of control today. 
For Joe Biden to become the Democrat nominee, I think he had to sign up for this kind of uh, situation. Uh, listen to what he said in 2019 when he was running for president. And by the way, I would immediately, as president, surge to the border. I would end this notion for the first time in history that people seeking asylum have to be in squalor on the other side of the river and, and, and in a desperate situation. They should be able to come to the United States and have a judgment made as whether or not they qualify. I would also surge to the border. Immigration judges to make, make decisions immediately. And no one, no one would be put in jail while waiting for their hearing. Uh, 2020, not 2019. Squalor on that side. How about squalor on this side, I guess? He said surge uh, uh, judges. Have they surged in any way, shape, or form resources, support for you guys? Not only have they not surged judges, they haven't even surged other law enforcement organizations to the border to help us control this. Our numbers are down from when he took office, the number of Border Patrol agents that are in the field today, and he hasn't surged anything. What he's doing is he's robbing Peter to pay Paul. He's bringing people from the northern border down to the southwest border, and he's completely and totally destabilizing what's taking place on the northern border. He's transferring agents from, say, the Tucson sector out to McAllen, and he's leaving the Tucson sector open. So all he's doing is shifting the resources. He's not surging anything. He's not sent judges to, he's not sent judges to the border, and this strictly falls on his head. He is the cause of this problem. There were policies that were working, and those policies were very sound policies for the safety and protection of the American public. He completely and totally got rid of those policies. He dismantled everything that we were doing prior to him taking office. And when you say northern border, you mean like Tucson is north of uh, Laredo, right? Not, we're not talking no, Canada. I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I'm talking. No, we we have border patrol agents throughout the United States. We have a border patrol agents on the coastal border, on the northern border. I personally was assigned in Maine, Montana. Um, I spent the I've spent the vast majority of my career on the southwest border, but I spent a, a good portion of my career in Maine. I spent a good portion in Montana. Um, we have agents all around the border, but when we take them off of those locations, we're opening it up. Um, when you look at intel reports, they tell you if terrorists are going to cross the border. They're probably going to come from Canada into the United States. And when we take those agents off of the Canadian border, um, we open up those gaps up there. And so, again, it's just not sound policy. It's not sound operations. It's not sound practices. Brandon Judd, I'm glad you're on the job. I'm sorry. By the way, the job has gotten a lot more dangerous with all these apprehensions, correct? It has. It has. When, when you, anytime that you're dealing with a number of people we deal with, you're going to have one agent that's dealing with over 100 people by themselves. Anytime that happens, there's always going to be danger. Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, thank you for being with us. To be continued in our best to all of your colleagues. Greg, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. Have you seen this? It's been viewed about 5 billion times on YouTube and Twitter. This kid in nursery school obviously doesn't want to wear a mask, but state law right now here in New York says he must wear a mask. It's totally, totally ridiculous. Again, it seems like we're putting all the problems on the, in the world on the weight of, on the backs of children. Did you see the Emmy Awards last night? 
the Emmys uh, in California. Hey, look at that. Having a grand old time, but they're masking some kid in nursery school who doesn't want to be masked. And uh, for good reason, I believe. John Ziegler has been a leader in pointing out all the insanity that we have all been facing. He's a senior columnist with Mediaite. He also has a great podcast out right now with the benefit of hindsight. It's about the Joe Paterno Penn State case. A lot of surprises in there. John, welcome back. How are you? Okay, Greg, always good to talk to you. John, uh, <laughs> there seems to be no end in sight, and I'll just kind of let you take it from here. Uh, where are we and how do we get out of this fix? <laughs> Boy, I wish I had a, an answer to that second part. Uh, here's where we are. Um, mask insanity is something that hits very close to my home. I have two young daughters, uh, one in third grade, one in preschool. And the idea that a mask mandate in general this is important, Greg. After 18 months of unprecedented data, we know mask mandates don't work. They do not stop or even slow the spread of the virus. For adults, they do not work. There's no evidence when there should be a mountain of evidence that they do. Not to mention the burden should be on those who are in favor of such things, especially when mandated by the government in the United States of America. But when you go to children, this is another level of complete insanity. Because not only are children the least vulnerable among us, and have been from the beginning, they're the worst at using masks properly. And let's be clear, they're also the ones to whom masks cause the most harm. As you just saw in that horrendous video clip, this is not just an isolated situation where one child in nursery school didn't like the mask. But let's take it out of the theoretical and into the practical. My nine-year-old daughter has suffered greatly because of all of this here in California. She's a year behind in school because of the fake Zoom schooling, and she's a year behind in making friends, which she desperately wants to do. How do you make friends at that age? You make them in school. And what happens in school is you, you cannot smile at someone. You cannot chuckle at someone. You cannot whisper to someone. None of those things can happen when she is forced to wear a mask, which makes absolutely no impact whatsoever on the spread of the virus to her or from her. It is all virtue signaling. It all started as a signal of virtue against Donald Trump, and it has turned into overt child abuse. And it's one of the most infuriating things I've ever seen in my life, Greg. John, I'm so sorry your child is going through it. It's, it's crazy. Why does Dr. Fauci get up there and still say, and by the way, initially he said the opposite about masks, and he even alluded to the unintended consequences. You touch the mask, you touch your face, and that's bad, and it is. Um, why does Fauci, take Fauci, why are they pushing this? Because this has become a religion, Greg. It is a religion of the left. What I just said about an anti-Trump virtue signal is so critically important to understanding the narrative. The left fell in love with masks because it was a signal of their virtue and their opposition to Donald Trump, not because of any science that backed it up. And Dr. Fauci proved that on 60 Minutes back in March of 2020 when he, he mocked. He mocked the idea of masks working against a virus. He flipped because the left flipped. His, his fan base flipped. And once his fan base became emotionally invested, I mean emotionally invested, this is a security blanket for them emotionally to wear this mask. Once they become emotionally invested, there's no going back, which is why I'm always so adamant at the beginning of a story, let's not get emotionally invested in narratives, especially before all the facts are in. We have unprecedented data on masks after 18 months. Mandates don't work anywhere. It's not close, but it's a religion, and therefore they cannot go back on it now, Greg. 
Well, John, you can get emotional. I want you to get emotional. You're at your best when you're emotional about this stuff, and understandably so. Your children so uh, so affected. John Ziegler, to be continued. You got to check out his podcast uh, with the benefit of hindsight, and find him on Twitter. Uh, John Ziegler, many many thanks. To be continued, sir. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Stinchfield's next.